Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 201 for June 18th, 2009. Secure Zip. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. And by GoToMyPC. Think remote access to your PC is complicated? Think again. It's easy with GoToMyPC. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMyPC.com slash security now. It's time for Security Now, the show that covers all things secure. <laughs> Windows. And there he is. Look at the smiling, shining face of Steve Gibson from GRC.com, the creator of uh, the, uh, I shouldn't say the creator of spyware, the coiner of the term spyware. Oh, yeah, please. I've never created any, and I never would. <laughs> nor nor has he, nor was he really the discoverer. Well, I guess you were. It was, an, it was uh it was something you found on your system and, and raised the alarm. Yeah, certainly it existed before, but I found a piece, and it was during a conversation with Gregor Frund that I said, you know, this is this is spyware. Gregor, Gregor, this is. He says, spyware. oh, I like the. He says, I like that that spyware. <laughs> well, That's Steve, what are we going to talk about today? Today, something very cool that I've mentioned a couple months ago that I wanted to get to, and today seemed like a perfect opportunity. Um, and this is sort of where the the formal zip utility has evolved to. We talked about it briefly um, in the past, and it, this is something called Secure Zip, which is a very compelling set of features in a one hundred percent free download from the people who invented the zip format, PKWare. And of course, you know, oh yeah, PK- that's Phil. Cats, right? Phil Katz. PK stands for Phil Katz. K-A-T-Z. And um, he, um, I mean, you remember old school back, the whole SEA, remember SEA and the 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 older sort of prequel to the ZIP format? There was SEA, yes, yes. But before ZIP, there was ARC, right? There were, I think ARC predated ARC, yeah, right? Yeah, predated and um, SEA anyway, was self-extracting archive, so that was a zip, but it was a zip you could double-click. Well, well, yeah, right. And in fact, you know, there have there have been self-extracting uh, zips and you know XEs that use this compression and so forth, where they they bundle into the file the little decompression engine. What is exciting about this program is for many of our listeners. This could be their first exposure to the so-called PKI. In this case, not Phil Katz. Uh, this is public key infrastructure that we've talked about. In fact, we've been. This is like a, a perfect, a perfect practical, real-world example of all the stuff we've talked about before. That is, you know, public keys and and private keys, symmetric and asymmetric encryption. Secure Zip has all that but has wrapped it in a really user-friendly package. 
that uh, frankly, as I've been playing with it, it's like, wow, this, I mean, this just works. I've got friends who I don't want to find out about this because they will never send me a non-secured, non-encrypted, non-digitally signed zip again They'll just, because it's just too fun to do it. So anyway, and of course, super secure. Now, there are um, freeware programs. I use one called 7-Zip uh, that do zip. Uh, in fact, nowadays, Windows and Macs both come with zip compression built in. So, so, so uh, PKWare has to come up with something better to convince people to buy something, right? Yes, and I'm going to explain today what they've done and why, why this is, you know, as, as I said to you before we began recording, Leo, you're going to be a little jealous. Now, it isn't available for the Mac, which is why I said you'll be a little jealous of the Windows platform. Um, they'd have a bunch of support for IBM mainframe end of things and also um, Unix and Linux servers, but not. But the only desktop product is is available for Windows, which, as they point out, is still the lion's share of the market. But um, it is it's really slick the way they the way they put this together. So I'm going to tell our listeners all about it today. I can't wait to find out about it. Also, I imagine there's some security news from the. The front lines of security, but not much. Not much this week. <laughs> it was all last week when we had that gigantic 31. Uh, well, you know, that was a record breaker. It was a yeah. formal record breaking update. So, yeah. 31 patches. To Windows. To yes. Windows. But we did get a big one from Apple. We'll talk about that in just a second. Before we yep. do, though, I, I do want to talk about security, but uh, I want to talk about hardware, security hardware from those folks at Astaro. Astaro and the security Gateway. We've been big fans of Astaro practically since this show began. We've been talking about Astaro hardware. The Astaro Security Gateway looks like a router. It looks like kind of a heavy-duty router made out of heavy-gauge steel. But it's not much bigger. Um, Actually, they have a variety of... uh, These are called UTMs, Unified Threat Management Devices. And some of them are pretty big. The beauty of the Astaro Security Gateway is it combines best-in-class open-source and commercial software together to give you the ultimate in protection for your enterprise. So everything goes through it. And let me tell you what this thing does. It gets all the spam. It uh, it it searches. It has, I think, three antiviruses, two for email, just to make sure, because that's, of course, a big vector. Another antivirus running uh, to protect going through all of the incoming traffic. You've got anti-phishing protection, uh, complete content filtering, too. I mean, you've got anti-spyware. That web antivirus is, is nowadays very, very important because a lot of virus vectors, as you know, go through web pages if you listen to this show. You've got complete control of instant messaging and peer-to-peer usage, so you can keep your users from getting files that way or even just wasting time at work. Complete firewall, of course, uh, the top of the line, top of breed, best of breed firewall, remote access, intrusion protection. Wait a minute, let me, I glossed over remote access. This is very cool. VPN, uh, IPsec. Uh, PPTP over IPsec with S. I'm sorry, L2TP over IPsec, PPTP tunneling with SSL, which makes it really cool because it's very easy to configure. In fact, I think it's the only UTM with anywhere near this kind of VPM flexibility. It also has built-in encryption using OpenPGP and SMIME, and I think that's so cool. So you can make it corporate policy. Everything is encrypted and decrypted without your users even being, you know, worrying about it or being aware of it. It just happens. 
The Star Wars version 7 is the best. I want you to try it. Get a unit in your business. Call 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O, a free demo unit. I've got to warn you, though, once you once you play with this thing, you're not going to want to go to go back to any of those other devices. 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O. That's 1-877-427-8276. That's in the U.S., of course. We have listeners worldwide, and Astaro is, of course, a global operation. You can also visit the website for the number in your country, A-S-T-A-R-O.com. And if you're non-commercial, you can get a free home user license at astaro.com slash security now. Put that on your own hardware. And now they include, by the way, the Astaro Up to Date, which is normally for uh, non-commercial users, a subscription. And that is fantastic. That is fantastic. ASTARO.com or call 877-4-ASTARO for the best Astaro security gateway. ASG. All right, Steve. I guess uh, I guess they Apple finally sat up and listened. Yes. We, we, we talked about this um, last week and maybe even the week before that there was still, that, that they were the only surviving remaining platform that had not dealt with the, at that time, very well-known, substantial, significant, important, even critical um, Java problems, you know, known problems with the Java system. So when I turned my Mac on um, a couple hours ago to get it warmed up for uh, our podcast, it said, oh, you've got a 158 meg security update. Now, what's interesting in my case, I don't know why, but it failed the first time. It just said, oh, can't update you. You know, mine uh, did too. Isn't that interesting? I think maybe if a browser is open or something like nope, that. I never had, I had no point had I, had I have any browser open. It just, it was the empty machine with nothing running, but it said, oh, nope, sorry. That's funny because I was going to investigate because it failed. And I thought, oh, I must have something going. So even then, but yet it did it later. Yes. Well, I, I just, I just stopped. I rebooted, tried it again, and you know, second time was a charm. All in right. this case, we'll who knows what was going on? But yeah. it's like, ah, okay, fine. And so it did a 158 meg update and restarted the machine after that. And actually, it didn't. I didn't need to. I did just because you know, why not? Reboots are good. Yeah. Yes. And I had time, uh, but it did not make me uh, reboot afterwards. Well, just so to recap, was, what was what was the flaw? You know, I wish I were better prepared to answer. I've forgotten now what it was. Yeah. Um, I know that... I know it was very serious. It allowed a, a hacker to craft a malicious Java applet and put it on a web page that would, without warning, I think, uh, act, give you give them access sure to your system. That's exactly what it was. I'm just b- bumping back here through... Um, well, anyway, people people can, people can, but, can, can you know, explore essentially that. get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is not one of those like, ah, do I really need that or not? Uh, you know, yeah, yes, you do. You yeah. want that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Apple, for, you know, it's interesting what happened there. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The, the guy who discovered this exploit finally tired of Apple's inaction. Right. And as sometimes happens in the security community, he pressed the company into action by releasing code. He said, okay, you guys have had lots of time to get this fixed, and, you know, you've had notifications, so... It's on you now, you know? Yep, exactly. And it worked. <laughs> I don't know if that's the best policy, but boy, you know, Apple uh, does sit up and take notice when all of its users are at risk. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and oddly, uh, it's been a very quiet week in security. So, 
that's all I had to offer Good. Uh, in terms of news and anything that is significant. You'll never hear me complain take, about that. <laughs> I thought I would take that example to, or, or, or this, I would take this opportunity to share a little bit longer, uh, although when I was actually reading, it's like, okay, it's not that much longer, a uh, little Spinright story from a uh, David Brandt who sent this uh, at the beginning of June. Uh, he said, I've owned Spinrite for a couple of years now, so I have a ton of routine Spinrite success stories that I could tell, but that would just bore you. Okay, well, maybe I don't think it would bore Steve, no. He said, so I, so I selected two unusual stories for your entertainment. Oh, all right. First story, the patient was an aging Pentium 4 PC with four gigs of RAM running Vista. I'm a Pentium 4. Yeah, I know. I was thinking running Vista. Okay. Oh, I, guess it's I don't know no how. One fine day, I was just writing something in the word processor when, boom, a blue screen, uh. a real bad one. It wouldn't boot. I couldn't even coax it into safe mode. Oh, Nothing. The Spinrite CD was sitting there on my desk. So I stuck it in and level forward it. We're now using Spinrite's levels as verbs. I level forward it. I gave it a level four. Oh, dear. Here, take that's, that. That's take the, that. Is that the highest uh, level of? Yeah. That, that, that's, that's where it grinds, baby. Deep cleaning, yeah. you know, just, yeah, exactly. He said, I came back the next afternoon and tried my luck. It booted straight into Windows without even offering safe mode, as if nothing had happened. Even my document that had been open at the time of the BSOD, the say you know as which is the acronym we know is blue screen of death I know, you have to imagine that microsoft's not happy with that particular acronym no no uh, <laughs> so he says i looked around and couldn't find any evidence of lost files perfect so i just went right back to work on my document about 10 minutes into my new work session vista put up a friendly dialogue telling me that the license for this copy of vista was already in use oh boy. on an, on another computer. Oh, jeez. It only gave me the option of purchasing a new license from Microsoft. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that was it. That was really it. I closed my document and quickly copied all my files to another computer. I shut down the machine and removed the hard disk. I carried it into the next room, where I installed it as the third internal in my main workstation, get this, formatted it under Mac OS X, extended, and put it into Surface as a documents disk. Oh, that's an interesting choice. This guy has obviously multiple platforms right. and machines to run on. And he thought, hey, I'm not buying another copy of Vista just because Vista decided that, you know, I'm, I've pirated it. I'll just turn it into a document storage. He says, that was about a year ago. It has been working perfectly wow. ever, ever wow. since, thanks to the Steves. And he made that one plural, <laughs> apparently lumping me in with jobs. Uh, and then he says, he says, P.S. Of course, remember, this guy's name is Dave Brandt. He said, P.S. As I write this, I am half watching a little sci-fi flick in which another Dave has also become I'm quite sorry, exasperated. Dave. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> has also become quite exasperated with his computers telling him what he can and can't do. 
he also decided to dismantle it. Perhaps this was Kubrick's most prophetic insight into the world of the 21st century computing. You know, I use that, uh, of course, talking about Hal in 2001, I use that as an uh, on my radio show almost uh, at least monthly. Somebody will call up and say, my hard drive, I've been getting strange errors or whatever. And I'll say, well, immediately back up because it could be failing. But it's but it's still operating. It's yours making funny noises. So I always use that line from two thousand one, where Hal says, "I suggest we put the unit back into operation and let it fail." Because uh, you know, I mean, if well, I usually say buy Spinrite, uh, and then when they balk, because they often do, because Spinrite costs about the same as a new hard drive. Yep. People buy Spinrite when they have data that they've got to get back, or and this is why I bought it way back when. If you use a lot of drives, if you're always, you know, if you're putting, we we go through a drive a week on the TriCast or stuff like that. If you're, if you're, all, you know, we have dozens of computers. Where if you're, in fact, on my desk, I have dozens of computers. If you're always using uh, new drives, then it's really worth. Uh, what is it? Eighty bucks? Yeah, yeah. eighty nine. Yeah. Um, so his story number two okay. is a different one, but you'll like this one because it sort of relates to what you were just saying. He says, this time. The patient was an elderly Series One <laughs> Directivo. Oh yeah, it those are with, those are like gold because they're not protected, right? Or, or well, they often have less protected. Uh, yes, they're they're actually they're 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 hacker friendly. You can yes. do all kinds of things to them, and you know that you can get them with lifetime uh, paid for subscriptions that never expire as long as Tivo doesn't go doesn't go out of business. So he says an elderly Series One Directivo. It's work. It still worked fine, except that the menu system had gradually become dead slow. It had gotten to the point where it would take a minute or longer to respond to a single down arrow press. Once you had brought up the main menu, it could take as long as 15 minutes to navigate down yeah. the now playing list to choose the show that you wanted to watch. Now, my experience there is if you reset the TiVo, it usually... You know, erase all data and start over usually fixes it. He probably uh, did that. Well, he didn't have to do that. You know what he had to do. Oh, interesting. He, he says, I realized it was time to act. I wrestled the hard drive out of the TiVo. And actually, that is that does take some wrestling. They use the Torx screws right. for everything. And you have to have a number 10 and a number 15, I think they are. I have my Torx tools with me at all <laughs> times. He says, I wrestled the hard drive out of the TiVo and installed it. In a spare PC. He says, parents, see story number one above. So that was apparently the machine that was now free of its hard drive he used as his, as his Spinrite uh, operating uh, station. He said, I planned to level four it, but needed to change my plan. Instead of the usual screen, Spinrite put up a screen that said something like, warning, danger ahead. He has it here in all caps. He says, I forget the exact wording. It had determined that drive failure was imminent, and even one Spinrite run might be the last thing it ever did. It told me to copy any files I could first, but I decided to go for it anyway. When it got started, I noticed on Spinrite's smart monitoring screen that the top row was all red. No wonder. Wow. Says, that means all red means the, the sectors are bad? It means that, that the... And the reason he immediately got that warning was that Spinrite was, you know, the first one of the first things Spinrite does is ask the drive, how are you feeling today? And the drive was able to say, I'm really sick. 
in which case Spinrite says, whoa, hold on. Uh, just to let you know, the drive is saying that it doesn't have much life left, which is really, it's, it happens in this day and age. And, and, and real-time, continuous, background, smart polling is one of the features that I added into Spinrite 6 from Spinrite 5. Remember, it was a little controversial at the time among our developers, the, the, the people who hung, hung out in the Spinrite.dev uh, news group, because they were saying, oh, you know, you can't really be polling smart all the time. And I said, why not? <laughs> uh, well, we don't know, but we heard you can't. I was like, oh, okay, fine. Well, I'm going to ignore that. Smart has a lot of smart has a lot of my mythology because it doesn't, you know, kind of works. It doesn't work. I mean, nobody knows what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Well, and the problem is that there isn't a defined set of meanings for for, for these parameters. They're just sort of like, oh, um, it's not as good as it should be, or it's you know, it's it's like sort of a number. It's like, well, what does that mean? We don't know, but if it's lower, that's worse. It's like, oh, okay, fine. Um, so anyway, I've okay. managed to integrate all that into Spinrite so that it's, it does the right thing. And in this case, um, Spinrite was saying right off the bat, there's a problem. So he says, it survived its intense spin writing, seemingly without expiring on the operating table. I reinstalled the drive into the TiVo and hoped for the best. I went into the menu after bringing up the TiVo and found that the problem was completely cured. The menus were now as fast and responsive as new. So maybe a routine run of spin write every few months might help a sluggish PC as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It would, wouldn't it? Because uh, as we've talked about before, sluggish can mean it's just trying really, really hard. Well, I would say it could. Could. I wouldn't say it would. Yeah. Um, in the case of DirectTiVo, well, or a- any of the TiVos, one of the things that they do is they redundantly store all of the critical system files and other material in multiple places, specifically so that it can generally survive the slow death of the hard drive. You know, there's no provision for TiVo to say, uh, the hard drive is having trouble because it's, you know, it's, it's meant to be a turnkey consumer product that you just sit down and plug in and you never, you never think about it. I mean, the idea of, you know, for me, TiVo is always recording. Everything coming in is going onto the hard drive into a on hard drive buffer. So when you pull, pull the cord out of it, the way you do a VCR or a clock radio or anything else, you know, you've just blown whatever chunk of drive was underneath the, the head at that time because it was busy writing. So when you pull the plug out of it, it's unable to finish that. But the TiVo system is designed to to heal itself or at least, you know, survive that kind of abuse. Um, I, for, my, for myself, I always go into the menu system and do a system reset if I'm going to unplug it that way it's, it's basically it's rebooting and it's not in a mode where it's writing to the hard drive. Then I'll pull the cord out if I have to move it somewhere else or, you know, if the, if our power company has notified us, we're going to have a power failure in the afternoon to right. repair equipment and so forth. So, yeah. Very, very good stuff. One, you know, if you got one computer and one hard drive, okay, but <laughs> everybody should really own spin, right? I just think it's just the natural Thing. And a TiVo, that's a really interesting use of it. Well, we do hear from a lot of people who have Spinrite and who say, hey, I'm still waiting for my 
you know, success story. I'm running it all my drives, right. so maybe I'm never going to have one. I and think I said, you need well, it less if you use it all the time, right? In the, <laughs> oh, you probably need it never. Right. I mean, these, these, you know, all these stories where, you know, finally the drive died on, on some event, some morning, some, you know, his, his BSOD where he ran it and it fixed it. Had he run it the day before, it wouldn't have died the day after. Because it would have had a chance to, I mean, it's sort of like, you could think of it like defragging, but, but you know, in, in the preventative sense, like defragging puts things back where they, you know, have sort of wandered off from. Well, running Spinrite really, re, it reads and rewrites the entire drive in a way that allows the drive to deal with incremental low-level problems underneath the level of the file system before they get to be really severe. So certainly a good thing. <sighs> speaking of good things. Yes, speaking of good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped my cue. Uh, we're going to uh, come back in just a second and talk about this really, I'm very interested in what uh, PKWare has done. Oh, you're going to be more interested. You're going to be more than interested, Leo, oh, by the time we're done. Oh, I'm going to really want this, aren't I? Well, I still run Windows, and like Good. I said, I'm cheesy and cheap, so I use the freeware, uh, you know, 7-Zip, but uh, maybe well, you're going to talk to me. Zip is free. Oh, this is free? Yes. Oh, well, okay. Yes. I can't wait to hear about it. But before we do that, my friends, it's time to talk about go to my PC. My friends at Citrix have a message for you. Now, they know that you guys are very, very sophisticated. You're not, you know, anybody who listens to this show is like high-end, right? So I'm sure the idea of remote access does not scare you off. You have wrestled it to the ground by now, and it's submitting to you. And maybe you're even using, you know, one of those really kind of gnarly remote access programs. We've talked about a few things like Hamachi and um, what's the other one? Uh, VNC. But your friends, your neighbors, your relatives perhaps are not quite so sophisticated as you. Your dog could yeah. install go to my PC, and there one are of those mo- one of those monkeys programming <laughs> Visual Basic. You know what? Let me tell you practically. Yeah, even this is. Do I want to make enemies? Even uh, a Visual Basic user could use. It. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm teasing. What well, really go to my PC is remote access that is very, very straightforward. Now, I don't, I want to point out that you're not sacrificing anything if you've used some of these other solutions. This is not only easier, it's superior. 128-bit encrypted point-to-point with using SSL. There's never been an exploit with GoToMyPC, never. Because it's using, you know, the best industry standard uh, uh, encryption there is. Um, it's uh, doesn't it, Because it does NAT traversal, you don't have to configure routers. It just works out of the box securely and easily. And so when your friends say, I need remote access, I want you to tell them, go to mypc.com slash security now. Because then they could try it free. Now, let me walk you through the process so you understand how easy it is. In fact, you could do this yourself. Go to mypc.com slash security. Now, even if you know how to get around the router, if you know how to do DMZ or port forwarding, why do it if you don't have to? When you get there, click the download button. Setup takes two minutes. It is really fast. I think it's Java because you do get the Java trust button. So you can press the trust button. Believe me, you could trust Citrix. I've been trusting them for years. These are the guys are the best. Now, you've, you're done. That's it. You may say, oh, come on, what else? No. <laughs> the next time you want to access a computer, you could do this from any computer, Mac or PC. You could do it from an internet cafe. If you can get online with a browser, 
I, I presume Linux as well. You just go to go to mypc.com, enter your secure password, click connect. If the go to my PC software is not there yet, it'll download. It, it's like a few hundred K. So even Steve would be impressed by the size there. And you're in. Now you see your desktop remotely. You can run, run any program. You can send and receive email just like you're at work. You can access network resources. They even have things like drag and drop from one computer to the other, which is so sweet. Absolutely free for 30 days. I want you to try it. But more importantly, I want you to tell your friends about it. Go to mypc.com slash security now. Easy, effective, secure. What more could you ask for? We thank them for their support. Go to mypc.com slash security now. All right, Steve. Let's talk. Let You're going to... Okay, Steve has a challenge. He's going to make me jealous. How how could you possibly make me jealous? I have built-in compression on my Mac. What what more could I want? Well, what... <laughs> That's a setup. What, what, yeah. <laughs> what PKWare has done is they've, they've evolved their PKZip program. And PKZip still exists, um, it's, you know, separately from SecureZip. SecureZip offers all of the kind of technology we've been talking about in the past in a really simple-to-use, state-of-the-art, really, you know, pleasant user interface. But they've, they've basically taken all of the configuration and setup hassle out of the process. Um, the program will compress files in zip format tar bz2, which is the block zip2, bz2, gzip. It'll uu encode, xx encode, uh, also compress in lzma, ppmd, and java, jar files. It can open and decompress zip, tar, jar, bz2, rar, gzip, CAB files, LZH, LZMA, PPMD, UU encode, and XX encode. So it's not just zip format. It's, you know, a broad spectrum uh, archiving utility. What really makes this thing stand out is the the built-in and really easy-to-use support for asymmetric, that is to say, public key encryption. As you install this in your system, it's about a 20 meg download. Uh, they use CashFly as their delivery uh, system. So you, so you, you go. You, you, if you just put into Google "secure zip" s e c u r e z i p, the first link that comes up is to the free secure zip download. Um, there is a commercial version for the individual user. There's also lots of lots of enterprise support for this. So, so for um, for our listeners that have you know more of the corporate IT enterprise side, keep that in mind when I'm talking about this. I'm focusing sort of on our typical listener end user person, but there's you know tons of enterprise stuff. So, the the if you wanted to purchase it version is thirty nine ninety five for for a single you know, end user person. But what that gives you is integration into Office and email that is seamless integration, you know, where like, you know, in the file menu of Word, there's, you know, save as a, as a secure file. And so it's just as simple as 
as selecting that option in the file um, menu, and uh, you're able to do that. So um, the free version has that stuff for 30 days, so you can see what it's like, decide if, it, if it's worth to you $39.95 to keep that after 30 days. If so, you're able to upgrade and, and, and do it. Otherwise, it'll go away after a month, and, and you're still able to use Secure Zip with its non-integrated features, which is just like a standard archive manager, which, in my opinion, is still spectacular. I'll explain why. During the setup, you give it your name, and your email address. It then transparently, sort of automatically, goes to Komodo and registers a certificate and a, a standard PKI, public key infrastructure certificate under your name and email address and creates it, downloads it, and installs it all sort of automatically. So you end up with a with a private key installed in your certificate store in Windows, which you're able to use to to sign or encrypt any of the any of the archives that you create with this. So the other thing that you get is it, it automatically places this in the secure zip global directory. For, for it, that is, it places a, a reference to your certificate, and the public key is available globally. So, what it means is that somebody else who is also a Secure Zip user is able to um, build an archive that they want only you to be able to access. They literally, when they say they want to encrypt it they're able to put your email address in to um, the program itself, which transparently queries the global directory to get your public key. It then encrypts the archive using your public key, creating an archive that absolutely only you, that is the, the machine where where you've set up your secure zip are able to decrypt and, and what's even cooler is if you if you only select the that that user's public key you get a little warning dialog that says hey um we're happy to do this for you but you've you're you're encrypting this with only this public key not even you can decrypt it and so it says you know you could if you'd like also encrypt it with your public key mm. so that you have the option of decrypting it if you ever, for whatever reason, want to. So it gives you a little reminder that basically when we're saying only the, the, the uh, destination user can decrypt it, we're not kidding. Right. Now, you know, that's we great. Know, that's really oh, neat. Yeah. It really is cool. Yeah. And the other thing you can do is you could sign it since, since you, since you know your own, uh, you and only you know your private key, you're able to sign the archive or sign a file. You don't even need to encrypt it. You can just use SecureZip as, as a, a public key technology signing tool. So you're able to apply your digital signature to the archive. So you could do two things. You could encrypt it 
using a public key that that is just found for you using the the um, your 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 target user's email address, which this thing finds for you. The whole thing is transparent. It just says, "Oh, here's the person," and you go, "Yeah, that okay, cool. I want to encrypt it for them, and I want I want to sign it so that they know whatever this is actually came from me." It does. It, so that process is just done beautifully. I mean, I'm really impressed with, with, with the whole UI of this. It's just, it just, it couldn't be any easier. Then you end up with, you know, this zip file, which you could then email or, or, you know, stick on your website for somebody. I mean, you know, get it to them however you want to, but only their system where they have this certificate installed is able to read it because what so they've got the private key on their system so when the zip comes the, they're simply able to open it i mean it'll open it won't open anywhere else but they're able to open it and in addition to all this you also have secure passphrases so that you could you could also protect it not only with a a a public uh certificate but you could also protect it with a passphrase that's as long as you want it to be. There's a big, plenty ample dialog box where you're able to type in anything that you want to, which will further lock this zip so that the recipient would have to have both the knowledge of the passphrase that you used this particular time to send or encrypt this particular zip file, um, and they would have to have a digital certificate. Or you don't have to use digital certificates. You could just use a passphrase. So you could use either a passphrase or a digital certificate or both. And if, say, that you wanted a zip file that three people would be able to see, would, would be able to open, but nobody else. Again, you're able to simultaneously apply multiple digital certificates so that you've got multiple – you, you, you've, you've – You've encrypted it once, yet you've then encrypted the symmetric key, which was randomly arrived at. Remember, we've talked about this multiple times. You don't actually encrypt the, the payload of the zip with your, your public key. Instead, you, you on the fly, you create a so-called session key, a, a long 128, 196, 256 bit, whatever, and all of this is just done for you. It's, you, you create a completely random session key. That's what you encrypt with your, um, your asymmetric key. Um, and then the encrypted result is just bundled in with the zip. So the idea is if you wanted three different people to be able to decrypt this zip file, you're able to attach their certificates to that file. And, and essentially, it takes it takes their public key and encrypts this one-time use symmetric key each for each of them and connects it so that when any of them receive it, they're able to open the file and they're able to inspect the certificates that are bundled along with it. And for example, if you decided you wanted to sign it securely, they're able to inspect the. Uh, signature to verify that it came from you. Um, it's just 
you know, it's just, it's beautifully put together. I mean, and, and I would recommend it, frankly, to our users if they want to play around with public key infrastructure technology. We've talked about this, you know, over and over extensively. Here's just a, 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 a useful and simple to use turnkey application that incorporates all of these concepts that we've been talking about um, in in something which is you know extremely uh, easy to use. Sounds and it doesn't run on the Mac. <laughs> That's okay. I can live. I can live. Um, it does sound great. So uh, reiterate there the, the features that I'm not going to get if I don't pay for. It. I know I get to try them at first, but the yes, features for- that will turn themselves off after what is it a month? Yeah, all yeah. they are the only things that die after 30 days are the integration into Microsoft Office and Outlook. I can I don't even use those, so I can live without that. That's right. fine. Right. But all all everything else works. Yes, everything else works. Wow, the that's great. the certif- the certificate has a 1-year life and it is possible though to renew it. I also for for just for the hell of it, I went over to Komodo and I said, "Hey, Let's pretend you we you know I just, you just didn't make a certificate for me through this built-in UI that was tr- that was easy. Um, if I if, if you, you're able to go if you put into Google Komodo C O M O D O space personal space certificate, the first link that comes up again is to Komodo's free certificate. They call it an email certificate, which is the which is the one that that we're using for this case, and it's completely free. So I tried this. I created a, I went to Komodo. I said, hey, I want a certificate. I used a different email address, gave them my name. Uh, they sent me email containing a, a, an authorization code. I clicked on that. The, the browser using scripting automatically created with Komodo uh, and without me having to do anything else, a, a certificate just like the one which had been created for me automatically during installing SecureZip and installed it in my machine. Now I have two. So I didn't even need to use the certificate that, that SecureZip created on the fly while I was installing it. I was able to use that. And you are able to export the certificate that you're, you've created if you, for example, were someone who had multiple laptops or multiple computers, you didn't want to only be tied. You didn't want that certificate tied to one machine. Um, you know, you you um, you are able to export it and import it into other Windows platforms. So, for example, you create one certificate and you stick it on the various machines you're using. All of those will be able to open zip files, which are. Um, which have been keyed to your certificate, even though they're on different machines. You know, I, one thing I did, I'm looking on the webpage, it does says across all major computing platforms, but correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like if I use SecureZip on a file, I cannot unzip it on a Mac, for instance. So, um, so that's Yes, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, so that's a little misleading when they say all major computing platforms and they... They leave out Macintosh. <laughs> yeah, or or the Linux desktop. Or Linux. I mean, it's really, yes. it's a Windows application. Well, they also, they, they do have support, non-desktop support for Unix and Linux servers, they say, for Windows clients and servers, and then a bunch of IBM machines, like mainframe sort of. Oh, I see. Stuff. Okay, okay. I get it. 
Yeah, wow, that's neat. So the certificate I get from Komodo, I don't get from PKWare. Um, or, I hope I didn't confuse people with that. Um, either certificate. Oh, I could works. use I could use PKWares as well. Okay. Y- yeah. Well, the, and, and PKWares actually, the, PKWare got theirs from Komodo. They just did that negotiation automatically through the, through the user interface automatically. I see. I see. And I was just curious because. Okay, this, so the certificate lasts a year, and when, when you first get it, you'll see, for example, mine said, oh, it's good until 6-17-2010. So I'm thinking, okay, what happens after that? You know, I don't want everything to die or, like, things to stop working. Well, first of all, and I, I posed the question to, to the guys at PKWare, and they said, oh, you know, you'll get email two weeks before it expires telling you, here's cl- the link you click to renew it for another year. And as long as Komodo... Or anyone makes certificates available for free, you'll always be able to create certificates. And even if a certificate has expired, all that happens is it's expired. Remember, we talked that actually, coincidentally, we answered this question in last week's Q&A. So I said, what happens if, like in this case, it was a web server certificate expired? And I said, well, the only thing that happens is you're warned that this server's certificate is expired, but it still works. And that's absolutely the case with secure zip so you could be using a certificate if you were a curmudgeon and for whatever whatever reason five years from now you didn't want to keep updating a certificate you're still able to use it and it still works just fine it'll just be giving you warnings saying that the, the certificate you're using is expired uh just you know fyi but it's easy to renew and still free cool and that and somebody who sees a um uh, uh, expired certificate may be a little nervous about. Well, that yes, that's exactly it. So, for example, right. if you didn't renew your certificate and you sent and and you told somebody to send you a zip file, um, so so essentially what this means is that that you would be using Secure Zip and anybody else could send you a zip content that is like the industry's strongest available security that only you can open. And so they're able to encrypt it knowing that only somebody with your private key, which is installed on your machine in the Windows certificate store, is going to be able to open this file. Um, so they might wonder why, why they were being warned that the certificate that you've told them to use is expired though they still could use it. Well, this is good. Yeah, I'm going to download it on my Windows machines and uh, it'd be nice to have it on my uh, on my Mac. But that's that's so it's really as it still can be used as a zip utility, but really, I mean the idea is is transfer of and, and protection of files in an encrypted. Well, it's yes, it's it's absolutely Does all the zip stuff. Yeah. It's got all the zip stuff. It's it's multi-format, you know, BZ, BZ2 is a Oh, is, is that a, built in? Yes. Oh, I love BZ2. Yeah, I was gonna say it's my probably my favorite compression mode because it gets really good compression. I think it's uh, I don't know of anything that does smaller. Let's put it that way, no. unless it's especially for a certain kind of file format. Right, exactly. That 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 block zip two for, for format is you know that block zip compression is really good compression. So it so it it will do zip and tar bz two gzip, um, and um, among uh, among others. So uh, I'm just I'm just very very impressed. I think for Users who are curious, are, or I should say our listeners, who are curious about learning about or like, you know, having experience of public key stuff and certainly anybody who has this need. Again, I'm, 
a little maybe in a, of an exception. I just there's I'm not needing to send secure stuff from one place to another. Um, but I I know I've got some friends who if as I said earlier at the top of the show if I told them about this they'd be using it all the time. They just yeah, think it was yeah. so cool <laughs> to be able to send zips to me that you know that only I could decrypt. And in fact, if you put Steve Gibson into the um, the global directory, you will find me now uh, under secure zip since I just use my name when I set up my my certificate. And it's like, oh, cool, cool. There's you know there's my public key, which is available globally to anybody who wants it. Very good, Steve. That's a nice find. A lovely yep, little program. Thought I want to tell our listeners uh, that uh, it's very, very cool. P-K-W-A-R-E dot com. You can get it right now. Yep. And Steve, we'll see you uh, next week for another great lesson in security. Everybody should go to grc.com, by the way. That's where you'll find Spinrite, the world's best hard drive maintenance and recovery utility. Also, Steve's free stuff like Shields Up, Wismo, Shoot the Messenger, Decombobulator, Unplug and Pray, and soon, some wonderful new software. I know. I know. Coming. Yes. And more. And find out more there about perfect paper passwords, too. Uh, also, show notes, transcriptions for every show, so you can read the shows. Uh, 64 and 16 kilobit versions for the bandwidth impaired. It's all at grc.com. And next week, we're going to do a question and answer. So if you go to grc.com slash feedback, you can leave a question for Steve, and he'll be glad to... Uh, answer at least 12 of them next week yes and please do again grc.com slash feedback i really really love to get everyone's uh you know thoughts feelings feedback ideas everything steve have a great summer day we'll see you next time on security now security now